Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Thad Haight. I'm Carl Wonders. And this week we are talking about a man who loves only gold, Goldfinger. Indeed. Goldfinger was released in 1964. It was written by Richard Maybaum again, so this is his third film in a row. Uh, Co-written by Paul Dane, who, at least for me, is most well known as being the person behind all of the original Planet of the Apes sequels. Um, he probably did some other things. I know he was a playwright when they hired him to do this film. Stepping into the director's chair this time is Guy Hamilton. So this is the first time we have had a Bond film not directed by Terrence Young. And Guy Hamilton will come back again later for three more films and of varying quality, I shall say. Um, <laughs> but this is really his first one at the gate. And I think you can definitely tell right off the bat that this is a slightly different film and not, not different in a bad yeah. way. It just has a different vibe to it. Oh, definitely. In Thunderball, we get Sean Connery doing the gun barrel for the first time. This is the last film where we see Bob Simmons. Uh, we then go into probably still one of the most effective pre-title sequences we get in the Bond series. And I think this is really the one. Yeah, I like it. This is really the one that set the standard of generally having absolutely nothing to do with the story. It's just kind of a what Bond was up to previously before the film starts. I, I especially appreciate the, uh, the taxidermy... D- seagull on his head <laughs> yes which i think they later redo in a much worse way when he's inside the crocodile or or is it an I alligator was, yeah, i don't it, know <laughs> it made me think of that yes yeah. <laughs> are you implying that octopussy is anything but a absolutely stellar amazing film um i don't know i haven't watched it yet so we'll we'll see that in a <laughs> couple months i guess <laughs> fair enough um so i you've probably seen the film true lies with uh, oh yes yeah so like this this it's from the 90s i watched those movies <laughs> but yeah th- like this sequence just reminds me of the ones that always get parodied in movies like true lies where bond breaks into this thing and lays out a really obnoxious amount of c4 to, to yeah, blow up this a lot of c4 also why does the like office or control room have that super secret t- hidden entrance I don't know. Are they aren't they supposed to look like oil refinery tanks or something or or something? I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but then then you get the great moment of him unzipping his wetsuit and he has this white tuxedo underneath and he has the little carnation I that he puts that. in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's just like one of those moments that gets parried so many times. We also get to see Sean Connery's toupee for the first time in this movie, since he's no longer yes, showing off his old hair. There are a few scenes where you can tell, too. Yeah, oh yeah. Especially now that we have Blu-rays. Or, or 4K. Yes. Uh, so did you notice... Um, I noticed a couple scenes... Um, I'm watching in 4K, but I imagine it was probably, it's probably visible in 1080p as well. Where, if it's a wide shot that shows a lot of people... Anytime... Some of the people that were moving were, like, really blurry and out of focus. Yeah, that... I don't know what that is. It's probably some kind of trick they had to do to get this shot... I mean, when the thing explodes, you can definitely tell that there's rear projection behind a mm-hmm. a set. You know, I mean, that's the only way they could really do it. I think the rear projection is the best it has been yet, though, in this film. Well, I would hope so. It's a couple years later. The rear projection in Dr. No was awful, but it mostly holds up in this one. So I had actually written on my notes that I didn't type into our shared note here that I was going to bring up. And we're gonna jump ahead, but uh, mm-hmm. when we get to when we get to the scene at the pool, I had written a note. Thad's favorite thing: rear projection. So, <laughs> so I'm jumping around. So let's. So you know, Bond 
puts on his tuxedo and then coolly lights his cigarette in time with the bomb exploding, which is another cool moment, I think. Uh, he must have a Russian watch because it wasn't wrong. <laughs> Russian, yes. Russian watches are always correct. And then we get, as is typical of Bond, he goes off to romance this woman in the back room. I like when she says why he ha- asks why he has to wear the gun, and he says, I have a slight inferiority complex. Yes, <laughs> that's a good line, yeah. I always laugh, because she's kissing him, and this guy is supposed to get the jump on Bond, and I always laugh at the reflection in her eye. There's no way. No, I have seen... No, because it wouldn't... It would be upside down, for one thing. I... It would be. Yeah, I think so. And it would not be that clear. No. <laughs> there would be some refractions, and it would be distorted, and yeah, no. Yeah. But we... And then we we get a, a brief, but I think a very well-done little fight scene here with this guy who's a stunt coordinator. Yeah. Um, on the He's he's a stuntman on the on the project. But, uh, yeah, it's... it's they, they don't do a lot of trickery. There's not a lot of that weird undercranking that gets done in certain fight scenes in the series and uh it ends in probably one of the more memorable moments in the film shocking positively shocking and then we get a smash to the credits which have lyrics this time That is definitely. I think that's the best. The positively shocking is the best one-liner in this in this movie. I think uh, there are a few. He he has a few more throughout the movie, but I think this one is by far the best. Yeah, one. it's certainly up there. Of, I would put it up in the top list of all of his one-liners. Frankly, um, there. You mean yeah? There may be other ones that come up, but I think that that's definitely a solid choice. And these are good credits. They're uh, you know the, we got a song all about our villain that we don't know anything about yet. Mm-hmm. And everything is gold, and we see the previous Bond films. I'm not sure why, but we do. Well, they're all pretty much from this film, uh, other mm, than... We see the helicopter scene from From Russia right. with Love. We see the helicopter scene from From Russia with Love for some reason, but the rest, I think, is, is exclusively from this movie. Yeah, I think you're right, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Yeah. I do wonder why the helicopter scene from From Russia with Love is in there. I don't know. It's a... Yeah, I don't know. I, I do like the I like the way that some of these images are superimposed over parts of this woman's body. Like they have the rope, the the number plates are over her mouth, which I think fits interestingly. Of course, you get the golf ball shot. Yeah, that was good. That it went along the the arm. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, and I like that. Unlike the last one, we don't have words that only appear when the body is is behind them. I agree. So this is it's the same gentleman named robert brown john who did those credits uh is doing it here with the similar technique i would say you know the projection on top of somebody but i think it just works so much better here than than it does the first time around because again he's not projecting the words he's just projecting images it's certainly one of the most memorable of the sequences i would say i would agree with that yeah i don't for instance uh we've got 
Thunderball next, and I remember the song, but I don't remember the visuals. Yeah, I think I mentioned Thunderball in the first episode we did, where you'd asked about you know favorite uh, favorite credits, and I was only thinking of the visuals. I wasn't thinking necessarily of the songs, and I I just it's just the first. I think it's the first one of the what we think of as Bond style opening credits. Mm. Maybe aside okay. from Goldfinger. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd say Goldfinger is like the feels like a very traditional Bond opening to me. It, it really does, and surprisingly, it's not the guy that does all the other ones, which I think is interesting. Well, I guess he uh, took his cues from what was already done, because we we do see a uh, we do see an evolution. I mean, from Doctor No, which was pretty straightforward credits, but they were very sixties esque, uh, to from Russia with Love, which is. Which feels a lot like what we see later, except it didn't have lyrics, and now we have this. So, I mean, we're, we're seeing it evolve. So, with the next one, they're like, oh, well, we need to have a similar credits, so people know it's still the same film series, I guess. Yeah. And we, we get a, the first of three Shirley Bassey songs. Mm-hmm. I would have been fine if they just given them all to her, frankly. Uh, at least. Yeah. Early, I, I think she has the perfect tone to her voice for these types of films and these credits. And we then, we close out of the credits and we're in Miami. Miami Beach, specifically. Yes, Miami Beach. And we have a nice nice establishing shot of the beach in the hotel. And the big floating banner that says, Welcome to Miami Beach. Yes. <laughs> in case you didn't know where you were. So we knew Bond was going to Miami because his contact in the bar told him he had a flight to Miami. Correct. But... Yeah, it's interesting. So that like that does sort of combine the story from before, but mm-hmm. we still don't know what the story is. Right. And I get I like the sense that we get of this is just Bond doing his job like he's on a business trip, you know, he's over in mm-hmm. I'm guessing Mexico or somewhere with this dealing with this drug situation, then he has to fly to Miami and he's not quite sure why. We actually don't find out why until much later. We find Bond very much like Red Grant was last movie around getting a massage by poolside here um by this woman dink and then we get runaway man talk and he slaps her butt oh man talk yeah reminding us that this is a 60s film yep we we get the bad rear projection here with uh cease linder who is now felix leiter who is he's not my favorite felix leiter i think he's way too old no uh he is too old yeah he he's he he functions in the film he's doesn't damage the film in any way i just think he's wrong for the part frankly also his hat doesn't go with his suit does a seersucker hat go with anything no (laughs) i didn't didn't even know they made seersucker hats and i probably didn't even notice it was a seersucker hat until i saw it in high def also what the heck is bond wearing his his terry cloth onesie that he puts on (laughs) yeah I, I will I will point out I will point out since I did my homework that it does look appear that his legs are still very hairy as he puts this. They are one. extremely hairy. Yes. <laughs> I don't uh, think do we see his I don't think we see his back in this one. We though, do not. So we we do not. No. It's Schrodinger's back hair. <laughs> God. Yeah, he puts on the onesie, and we have a little bit of dialogue between Felix and Bond, and. Bond seems to think he's just... Oh, no, we do... What am I saying? Of course we see his back. It is still, in fact, shaved. Um, oh, yes, because he's getting a back massage. Yeah. So, I, I still think he shaves his back. He must. 
yeah so felix goes up to bond and starts talking to him and finds out that and he he has a note or something that he gives to bond saying that m wants him to watch after this auric goldfinger guy we don't know why yet and which no. i always i'm i'm trying to figure out you know, if your boss sends you on a mission or something, wouldn't you want to know what it was? And Bond actually gets annoyed at this later, but I don't quite understand what M's doing, saying, go keep no, an eye on this I guy, but either. not say why. Um, Bond happens to find him playing cards with some gentleman. Felix lets on that Goldfinger has been cleaning him out every day. They're playing gin rummy, I believe. And this, for whatever reason, inspires bond to go up to break into goldfinger's hotel suite to find out what's going on here now why do they use rear projection for half the scenes or is it just that one of the rear projections is so much better than the other my understanding is that c slender was actually on location but no one else was okay so in some of the establishing shots with felix Leiter going to the pool and stuff you actually is actually on location and then they shot a whole bunch of plates if it okay, so if the scenes with Bond are rear projection, they're not terrible. It's when you see the other view. Um, well, I guess some of the scenes with Bond. When you're looking towards like the changing rooms and such, that doesn't look awful. But that might have been a set. Okay, that's a set. That's why. Okay. If you go to the scene with Goldfinger playing cards, yeah, behind the other guy is obviously rear projection. The stuff with Goldfinger behind him is all set that they duplicated the look. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Like, half the scene is rear projection and half not, which makes it worse because it's jarring when you go back and forth. Like, it's not even the same color light. No. No, <laughs> no. Which is why I wrote in my notes, Thad's favorite thing, rear projection. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, Bond goes up and finds this woman speaking about the card game, and it quickly turns out that She's watching the other man's hand to clue Goldfinger into what cards he needs. Is this is this another game that you don't know how to play? Or I have played it. I do not remember how to play though. Okay, it's been a while. Well, but I know it... more about it. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 rules are un, are unimportant. What all you need to know really is that you're you're trying to collect certain matches in your hand and. You know, no, obviously knowing what the other person has in their hand is going to help you out a lot. So, yes, Goldfinger is cheating. He has this, what looks like a hearing aid. That's an old-timey 60s hearing aid. Um, in the book, it's explained better that he's pretending to have a hearing problem. And that's why he has this thing in his ear. So, Bond is definitely being naughty here. Because he's to be keeping an eye on Goldfinger. He certainly isn't to be informing Goldfinger that someone's watching him. Correct. And, and M does call him out on that later when he says you were supposed to observe Mr. Gold, Goldfinger, not borrow his girlfriend. Who, who we should say is uh, Jill Masterson is her name. Mm -hmm. You may be surprised to hear this, but her voice is dubbed by Nikki Vandersil. No. Because yeah. <laughs> Goldfinger's voice is also dubbed, by the way. <laughs> yes. And as we said last time, it was not dub dubbed by Nikki Vandersil. Uh <laughs> that would be impressive. Yeah. No, Gert Froba did not speak English very well. I believe there are a couple lines in here that is that are actually his voice, but not very many of them. So, yeah, so Bond seduces this girl. They end up uh, in bed together. 
and then they're going to have some champagne, which has gone warm, and Bond says one of his more infamous lines about this, (laughs) I would say. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you don't have warm champagne, or uh, it's as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Right. It's like, okay. So we know that Bond is not down with the rock and roll. He is not down with the rock and roll, apparently. <laughs> um, he goes to the fridge to get another bottle that he's had in the fridge and is jumped by Odd Job, who we haven't really met yet. We meet him in silhouette more than anything else. Uh, probably the most famous henchman in Bond history, I would say. Ah, yeah. I think so. Also, as I mentioned in the in our introductory episode, my very first introduction to the Bond franchise was the GoldenEye video game, mm-hmm. So, which means that was also my very first introduction to Oddjob, because he was one of the characters you could play in multiplayer. Oh, was he? <laughs> yeah, he was, he was great, because if you picked him, his uh, hitbox was smaller than everybody else's because he was short. <laughs> okay i've never actually played this game i've heard of it but i don't know anything about the specifics so. this is how i can tell you're old uh-huh of course i i say this as if kids today have ever played goldeneye some might have i don't know not many no but yeah so he gets clocked on the back bond gets clocked on the back of the head by odd job um i i heard in an interview that harold Sakata, who plays odd job was not a it was not used to film acting. He was a wrestler, and he actually really did hit. I can tell that hit Sean Connery, and almost injured him, it severely. Oh wow! So that's not really acting that Connery's doing there when he falls to the floor. But yeah, he wakes up sometime later, and we get another very iconic scene. Like we're we're hitting all these iconic moments already within the first fifteen minutes or so of the movie. Yes, where he finds Joe Masterson laying on the floor, on the on the bed, and she's dead and has been painted by gold paint. Yeah, so there's I don't I didn't actually have time to look into this, but I know there's the rumor floating around that the actress almost died because they forgot to leave space for her skin to breathe or something like that. Well, I've I've also heard some some places and on the internet everything is true uh, that this actually isn't something that can hurt that can kill you. Yeah. That's so, also what I've heard. So I don't, so I don't know what to believe here. Um, I just know that it's also. A very... I can't imagine they would have painted her entire body because there would have been no reason to paint the front of her body. No, that's that's very true. That yeah, and I'm I imagine she's not entirely naked either. But who knows? Yeah, no, I've but I've always heard that rumor about the that your skin needs to breathe otherwise you die. But it has always seemed odd to me and doesn't make a lot of sense. Right like, when I when you think about it, because like. You don't die if you're in a wetsuit. No, and I feel like you would develop some sort of skin problems, but I don't think you Possibly, would die. Possibly, yeah. I mean, that's... Your body takes in air through your mouth and nose. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, you're not skin. a salamander. You're not going to... You don't need... To, you don't need air exposure to your skin. I think that's just an urban legend that spread around yeah. for years. And, I, and some versions of it that I've heard are that the actress did die, but that one's easily proven false. No, because I've seen interviews with her contemporaneously, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking about the experience and everything. Um, but yeah, that that shot on the bed, which they later pay homage to, or copy, depending on your thoughts on the film, in Quantum of Solace. Um, mm-hmm. But with the strategically placed pillow there to cover parts of her. Well, this was the 60s. So yeah, Bond finds her, 
calls Felix. Felix thinks Dink is the one who's dead, and he's like, no, 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 keep up. This is I'm already on to another girl at this point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then we get a, a cut back to London. And uh, M is... And this is where M is, in fact, <laughs> chiding Bond for not following protocol. Yes. I I do love this perpetually dyspeptic demeanor that Bernard Lee carries every, pretty much every time he's on screen. Where yes. he's always annoyed at Bond in some way or another. And I like that he's listening into Money Penny. He's like, she is me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, what about tonight? You come around for dinner, and I'll cook you a beautiful angel cake. Well, nothing would give me greater pleasure, but unfortunately, I do have a business appointment. That's the flimsiest excuse you've ever given me. Oh, well, some girls have all the luck. Who is she, James? She is me, Miss Moneypenny. And kindly omit the customary byplay with 007. He's dining with me, and I don't want him to be late. Continuing another great set of dynamics between the three of them, like, and I'm sure we, we, we you know, we talked about it last time, and we'll continue to, that I find... Bond and Money Penny excruciating, but I find Bond, Money Penny, and M very amusing. Yes, I would agree with that. So, this is M's dining room. I don't know where they are actually. Um, I I don't know if it's Colonel Smithers, if it's somewhere where he's meeting them. Like, I yeah, because the the guy with the cigars is really acting as though Colonel Smithers is the owner here, and he's sitting at the head of the ah, table. Okay. So okay, wherever they sense. are, this person that owns this place has a lot of money, and this is a very large dining room. <laughs> like that room costs more than my entire house. Yes. Yeah. Yet he serves disappointing brandy. See, that's why I assumed it was it was M's house. Yeah. Which is why he asked about the brandy. No, that's true. Cause, cause, M, yeah, cause M looks slightly offended by it. Smithers says the brandy's disappointed, and M's yeah. like, "Why?" And then Bond explains. Yeah. <laughs> Although we do see M's house in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and it is very large. Okay, so this could be M's. So house, yeah, this could be M's house. Okay. I also appreciate that this is back in the day where you wore black tie to somebody else's house for dinner. Yes, but I mean. In certain social circles, like, I doubt if in the 60s, you or I would have worn black tie to someone else's house for dinner. Well, no, I've, I've never owned a tuxedo in my life. I've rented one a couple of times. Yes, but I've never owned, like, when <laughs> if somebody said to me, you have to wear a tuxedo tonight, I would be in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, especially now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I, you can't even go rent one right now. <laughs> well, nowadays I would use some kind of zoom filter to have a tuxedo on me. You know? <laughs> I think you'd need. I think you'd need like a Snapchat filter for that. Yeah, that that, that would be interesting. Um, but regardless of you know, they're they're we're finally getting to the crux of why Bond was asked to observe Goldfinger. Uh, it apparently has something to do with him smuggling gold around and they're trying to get to the bottom of how he's doing it when we find out how i have some things to say okay. uh, <laughs> but anyway i yeah i think i think his method is a very interesting one story-wise i don't think it's a very practical one yeah same <laughs> 
then we're off to our first visit to Q Branch. Yes, which is excellent. This is our first time that uh, Q is listed as Q. He, you know, has his typical exasperation with Bond. We even get pay attention, please, and I never joke about my work. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Plus, the the Aston Martin is iconic. It absolutely is. And when, like, I even forgot multiple times in watching these in that he didn't have that he had a Bentley before that. Mm-hmm. And then when he asks where his Bentley is, you're like, he's, I've never seen him with a Bentley. And no, actually, I have seen him with a Bentley in the first two movies. You just saw. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I mentioned Guy Hamilton earlier and kind of sneered a bit at his later his later work in the series i think one of the best things he does is my understanding is he's the reason q treats bond the way he does because when they were shooting the scene the first time they went to shoot it desmond Llewellyn just got up and did the lines and guy hamilton said no 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 when bond comes in the room you just keep doing what you're doing and you ignore him and desmond said well but, you know, I, I work for him and, you know, we're British and that's what we do. And he's like, no, you don't like this guy. Like, he doesn't treat your stuff with any kind of respect. He never brings it back. Like, you don't like him. You just tolerate the guy. And that, I think, colors this wonderful character throughout the rest of the series that I don't know if it would have ever gone that way had he not had that thought in his head and give gave Desmond Llewellyn that bit of notes, I would say, on, on how to play the part. Yeah, and it's perfect. It it makes Q who he is. Yeah. We we get our first uh look at something that isn't quite perfected yet with the that mm-hmm. little the bulletproof vest thing which seems like we have one every time. Um we get you know, we see the car, we see the homing devices which I'm still confused about why the one in Skyfall is bigger. So, okay. <laughs> the homing device itself. I yeah. can almost see that being a thing uh-huh the map yeah no <laughs> but see but see they, they have but see they, they have every map ever writ ever they have they have a map of every place in the known world in that little th- device in the car and it somehow knows exactly where the car is at all times too it does yeah because that's totally possible with 1960s technology I mean, my car takes like five minutes to figure out where it is when I turn it on. Yeah, well, <laughs> mine's usually faster than that, unless I'm in a city, mm-hmm. um, which is why yours takes five minutes. <laughs> right, that's fair. But, but yeah, uh, and mine still sometimes will think I'm on another road that's like a quarter mile left or right of me. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, to your point, though, without the maps, I can, I can see the little blip moving away from the mm-hmm. car in a certain yeah. direction that that seems plausible to me but yeah when it's when it it's whatever map of whatever location they're in at the time and it happens to be exactly where they need it yeah that that stretches <laughs> a lot yes. i wonder how many people went to aston martin dealers and asked for that feature oh, i have no idea or like the oil slick or you know all that <laughs> like, so and and yeah so you get you get the demonstration of where all the stuff is in this car. That you know, this is this is like the quintessential. Bond It'll only take. It shouldn't take more than an hour. <laughs> and the look that Bond gives him was like, oh man. Um, this honestly, I like for half a second, I was like conflating this with the 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 the, the one from I'm not sure which Brosnan movie where he 
has the manual destroyed by the machine guns, and I was like half expecting that to happen in this one. I think that's Die Another Day because that's the invisible car, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which okay, that went that went too far. Um. Yeah. Yeah, we have, we'll have lots to say about that movie, I think. Um. So yeah, so we hear we we get wrapped up. We get the the great Q line about I never joke about my work. 007. Also, like, I feel like it's a weird way to introduce the red button is to say, don't touch it. Yeah. And why not? Why why put something <laughs> in there that you're not supposed to use? Yeah, exactly. And this is, to, to borrow your line from last episode, this is the Chekhov's ejector button. Well, all the features get used, except the machine gun barely gets used. Yeah. Yeah, the machine gun barely gets used, and I think they had other stuff. He does they... fire it right before he crashes. He does. But it doesn't do anything. Right. And we don't see him use the number plate thing. But That's true, no. Yeah. We, do, we do get the oil slick and the blade and the ejector seat. Well, he doesn't. He never actually talks about the blades, so the blades is a surprise later. Are you sure he doesn't talk about No, he No, he doesn't talk about the... the... Q, Q never mentions that they're there. You're right, he doesn't. Yeah. I, I just assumed he did when he talked about the... But yeah, you're right, he doesn't. No. Well, we're at the golf course next. I I appreciate that Goldfinger is not an idiot here. Um, he Goldfinger shows up to play his round of golf with his usual partner, and then his usual partner says, Oh, this random guy just showed up. Why don't you play with him instead? And, you know, Goldfinger seemingly recognizes him by the voice, I would imagine. Um, he... He then, at the end, when he says, you know, he, he mentions, you know, I thought the first time we met, you would have been convinced to leave me alone. So, clearly he knows he's just going to play along with this, I guess. Mm -hmm. Although, I don't I don't think Bond thinks he's fooling him either, at this point. No. Um, we get a protracted round of golf here with Goldfinger, who, among other things, is that he cheats at golf just like he cheats at cards. Which is to be expected, which is... Oh, yeah. I I like how Bond's caddy is just perfectly willing to go along with, you know, cheating cheating to get him back. Yes. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like I like the caddy character a lot. I think he's adds a lot to the this little sequence here. Just because he's, he's having as much fun as Bond is with messing around with Goldfinger here. It's like, if that's his original ball, I'm Arnold Palmer. Yeah. It's not. Because <laughs> I'm standing like, why, on it. Why you crafty devil? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was good. Um, we we forgot to mention when we were have it when we were obsessing about brandy in the dining room that Bond is given <laughs> this piece of Nazi gold. Yes, that he's using as as a lure for Goldfinger. You know, he drops it right in front of him while he's trying to make this little short putt. I'm sure M would not be happy at all with what bond is doing here wagering this bar of gold in this game yeah it's also the first time they forget how heavy gold is when they go to pick it up off the ground <laughs> yes they, they they there are some moments like especially at the end when they do a very good job of emphasizing how heavy this stuff is but there are other times when they just kind of pick it up and carry it around like it's nothing yeah so then goldfinger says he's gonna pay him the equivalent in month in cash if if bond wins and th this is where Goldfinger shanks his first tee shot and then begins to cheat here a little bit. 
Yep, because he can't find his ball, so he so odd job somehow manages to drop a ball down his pants pocket. I guess like that was already planned in case this would need to happen. I would imagine that this is not the first time they've played this ball down the pants trick. Fair. Because that's not something you could, like, do unless you had already planned it ahead of time. True. Yeah, you have to have the, the hole in his pocket or whatever anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I One thing I'm not sure about, and I don't know if this is a, a rule thing, if it's an etiquette thing or what, but it seems like Oddjob is not supposed to mention that he finds the ball. Yeah, that's that was my assumption, yeah. Because he, he kind of calls out and then Goldfinger shrugs and said, oh, I'm still training him as, an, as a caddy, like... Oh, he wasn't supposed to do that, but he's still learning, so whatever. You know, what? I, I don't quite understand if that's what they were getting at here. Also, is Oddjob mute or not? Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> he doesn't speak, and in the book he doesn't speak because he has a cleft palate. Okay. So, I don't know. It's just a... I think they just did a little bit of sloppy writing with that. Because he does go ah-ah yeah. a couple times. Yeah, he goes, aha, when he finds the ball. Mm-hmm. Very unconvincingly, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's here. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he meant when he's training his caddy. He needs to be better at feigning his surprise. Right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This is where Bond switches the balls on Goldfinger, because he finds a Slazenger number seven in the in the rough, and Goldfinger plays a Slazenger number one. I've always wondered what the difference is, but I haven't looked it up. Golf balls just have numbers on them, so you know which one is yours. Oh, okay. So there really isn't a difference then. It's the same ball. It's just if you buy a if you buy a box of Titleists or whatever, Slazenger is just another brand. Uh, yeah, I have, figured that. They have numbers on them, so if if you know your partner that you're playing with has the same brand, you just play like I'll play a number four and you play a number two, and that way you know. Which ball is which? Um, that makes sense. I, I'm not. I don't. I don't have issue with Goldfinger not noticing the number change. I do question whether he would notice that the one that he that Bond found was a black one, and he has red markings on his ball. Yeah, that's that would seem more obvious than yeah. just the number. Like I can see him not noticing when Bond throws it to him because he doesn't really look at it. But then when he places it to shoot next, you'd think he would have noticed shoots the wrong word but you know what i mean <laughs> well and then that's why they're nervous because it even falls off the tee and they're like oh is he gonna see it um i want to know where goldfinger gets all of his gold golf clubs i mean clearly they're he not has gold, gold but everything he does have gold everything and maybe he i mean they're they can't be real gold because that would be a very ineffective golf a club gold golf club would yeah <laughs> well i have that conv- i have that thought about his gold revolver too like that wouldn't be very durable no no, it wouldn't be. Um, but yeah, so, you know, he, he gets the... Bond goes and gets the two balls out of the hole and says, Oh, wait, this is the wrong ball. And we're playing strict rules of golf, so you have to lose the hole now. And, you know, Goldfinger storms away. We get the scene with him in the car and, and Goldfinger threatens him. Says, you know, I I like how Bond's playing dumb. Like, oh, you're worried about me giving you another game. And... Goldfinger's like, no, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, then we get the, the, you know, another in a long line of these iconic shots here where Oddjob demonstrates his hat. Yep, and decapitates the statue. Yeah. Which is a great bit. And Bond says, won't the club be mad? And he's like, I own the club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, Bond has the tracker on Goldfinger's car, so mm-hmm. he tracks it to the airport. Yep. Did people not fly pri- private in the 60s? Like, Goldfinger feels like the kind of guy who would fly private. Well, he has a private plane later. Yeah. So they go from Switzerland to Kentucky in a private plane. But he flies commercial from Britain to Switzerland. Well, but see, he's taking his car. So yeah. my guess is it's... He doesn't... You know, I mean, private planes aren't big enough to take a whole car on, I don't think. You can just get a bigger private plane, right? I mean, the Jetstar he's on later is certainly not big enough. Fair. Okay. So, yes, now we're in Switzerland, and we have rear projection again in the cars, but it does looks a lot better than it did in the last two movies. It, it definitely does look better, yeah. And it's, it also helps you have this rather wonderful-looking scenery here. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're clearly... I don't think any of them, any of the actual principal actors went there, but they clearly went to the Alps to film this stuff. Right. And we have uh, Bond following Goldfinger, and a woman in another car is very anxious to pass him. She is. I love Bond when he finally lets her pass, and then he starts speeding up, and then he's like, Discipline 007. And he gets yeah, so bummed out that he can't go chasing after her. And then they, they end up stopping on this, and I don't know the name of it, but it's a rather iconic section of road here where there you know these multiple loops around these mountains in this pass that oh it's a real place yeah it's a real place yeah i don't know anything about it um i mean other than the really bad rear projection of goldfinger eating a piece of fruit this is all legitimately Mm -hmm. uh, shot on location well yeah because from the far away shots they don't use the actual actors no they wouldn't um but then yeah so she's shooting at at goldfinger but since bond is in between them she thinks she's shooting at him well, it doesn't help that she hits the ground next to Bond. And you also, if you don't know ahead of time, you assume that she was an assassin hired by Goldfinger because Oddjob just sort of nods up to the hill when it happens. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I've never understood that. Like, he looks up and smiles. Yeah. Like, he expected somebody to get shot. I mean, they don't even know Bond's there at this point. Yeah. At least you don't think they do. I do have to take a bit of issue here with the them not quite remembering which side the cliff is on in these in these sequences <laughs> uh the, the random railroad track that shows up at one point but yeah so this is where we get the demonstration of the tire slasher things in his car that she somehow doesn't notice that it like tore away the body panel between the, the two tires yeah i'm like how would her tire not have blown out if if she didn't know that he did it? How would her him not? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot that doesn't make sense in that scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that she does. She just thinks the tires blew out. Uh, when, when they're at the garage, I think this is the most egregious issue with the magic GPS system, where Bond's like, "Oh, I've lost complete track of where Goldfinger is. I wonder if I can find him." And he turns on the thing for about twelve seconds and. Oh, he's right there uh, with the map and everything. Because I, I think having, you know, just having the little blip somewhere would have been better. But what can you do? Bond manages to figure out where Goldfinger is, probably helped by the giant Auric Enterprises on the outside of the building. <laughs> yes! <laughs> also, like, I assume they drive on the right in Switzerland. He just sort of, like pulls over onto the left into the left lane there and stops yeah 
I mean, I, I doubt it's a one-way road. Yeah. <laughs> that seems unsafe. Yeah. But yeah, so he sees the, finds the factory, he goes and parks out in the wilderness somewhere, waits for dark. This time it's actually night, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, this, this is too good to be Oh yeah, this is definitely shooting. real night. Yeah. He goes and finds out what's being done with Goldfinger's car. That this is actually how he's been smuggling his gold from one point to another, because they're melting down his car. And I know you had you had issues with that. So I feel like the cost of turning gold into this car mm-hmm. would be prohibitive. Like, there's no way you're making a decent profit on this. Because yeah. for one thing, it's not like the gold it's not like you're all the money you make by selling the gold in another country is profit even. Because if you sell it in the country you get it, you'll still make some money. You'll just make more in another country. So the margin can't be that big to begin with. And then when you add in the labor cost of turning it into a car and then <laughs> and then turning it back into bars, how is he making money on this endeavor? Yeah, I would wager he isn't. Um <laughs> I mean, I question the feasibility of actually having a car made out of gold just because of how malleable the, the metal is. There's that, too. Yeah. Especially, you know, on the bouncing around on the road. Like, <laughs> uh, everything's going to fall apart. I don't want an axle made out of gold. Yeah, this 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 does not make much sense in the real world, uh, I would say. Well, it is only 18 karat gold, so it's not even pure gold. Yeah. That's true. I guess the 18 carats is what gives it a little bit more hardness to it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But even then, now now if you're turning it back into bullion, you have to get rid of all the impurities, too. Mm-hmm. So that's another cost in itself. So, yeah, yeah he's he's losing money on this scheme. Yes, he is. Um, we, we see him with Mr. Ling, the Chinese guy, who we don't quite know what his whole role is. We hear him mention Operation Grand Slam for the first time. Uh, to him, and Bond has very acute hearing because he can hear all of this despite the fact that he's near a refinery or a, you know, a smelting yeah. installation or something. We we get Goldfinger gets the standard issue Bond villain army of light uniformed people running around. Uh, this time they're they appear to be Chinese. Um, for some reason, and then, yes, yes, or are they all Korean like Oddjob? Mr. Ling is referred to as being the red Chinese agent. Right, but are but aren't the people here in the factory Goldfingers, not Lings? They are. So maybe they are Korean. I don't know, actually. But they are just, you know, the standard issue army they're, of people. Yeah, they're henchmen. Yeah, they're yeah, his disposable henchmen. They're like the red shirts of Bond. <laughs> um <laughs> Everyone's a red shirt in Bond. True. So this is where Bond hears footsteps around him, and surprise, surprise, it's the woman he dropped off at the the garage, or I should say garage, because that's how she says it. And that and that's he finds out that she is Tilly Masterson, the right. sister of uh, the woman whose Jill. name I've already forgotten. Thank you, Jill Jill Masterson. Yeah. Yes. So they try to he he tries to help get away 
they've already set, they've tripped off an alarm, so they have... Bond made her trip the alarm when he... Bond made her trip the alarm, yeah, that's true, by grabbing her gun. We get we get to see the car in action here. Yeah. During, and, during the chase sequence. Yeah, and at one point, the he uses the oil slick to make the car veer off, make the car that's chasing them veer off the road, and it explodes just before it goes over a cliff, which is interesting yeah. timing. It is. I mean, considering cars don't explode, period, but, yeah. <laughs> yes. But if it was going to explode... <laughs> you know, eventually we end up... He ends up running into a dead end. Uh, he tries to get Tilly to run away. Odd she job gets kills taken her. out by Oddjob with... Yeah, Oddjob's hat takes her out, and Bond gets captured. Um, and then we get my favorite... One of my favorite parts in this film. We get Machine Gun Grandma... Yeah. Yes! <laughs> and for some reason, the bad guys think it's a good idea to let Bond drive his car while having one guy hold a gun. Yeah, on yes, there is that too. And so we have Chekhov's ejector seat, and Bond leads them on a chase through the mil through the compound here until Oddjob fakes him out with a mirror that's there for some reason. Yes, it's a strategically placed mirror to cause Bond to crash. Yes. Uh, we Into some very shoddy concrete i would say yeah that wall was not built well at all <laughs> no uh you wouldn't you would think an aston martin would not plow into a cement wall the way it does but uh it does <laughs> no i i do like odd jobs moment of smiling at the mirror yes like why is that mirror there <laughs> I, I i'll confess the first few times i saw this movie when i was really little i did not understand what was going on at that point right like it, i and i think part of it was because it was pan and scan so you couldn't see the framing of the mirror or anything it right. just looked like they reversed the shot mm. but anyway bond wakes up into i i would argue this is the most famous sequence in the whole film like not not just line or whatever but the scene oh yeah no mr bond i expect you to die yes but again why do you have this setup? Why do you have a gold table that you can strap somebody down to? Is there a is there laser any beam? Bond movie in which the villain does not have the opportunity to just kill Bond? No, of course not. Yeah. Like they always can, but they don't because they're stupid villains who have to make things dramatic. Right. And I mean in this case it works out in a clever way, I think, because Bond's able to convince him that he's better left alive. Yes. But he should have been dead by now. Mm-hmm. The henchmen should have killed him when they found him. Yes. I don't I don't know why Oddjob is bringing him back, because they don't even know it's him at this point. But I yes, think. the gold-cutting laser, I guess it's useful for certain things that they do. Well, I mean, the laser beam is a setup for later. Yes. But having a gold table that is only there to torture people anyway yeah well it's it's goldfinger's new toy and he almost and he turns it off right before it it damages bond's favorite toy <laughs> oh, and we get a mention that 008 will replace him which i thought was interesting yes. mm -hmm. well that 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 goes back to that scene earlier with with m when he says if you can't be objective i'm going to replace you with 008 mm. yeah which I think is the first time we get mention of another agent. And they pop up here and there, different numbers, but usually dead. But we never actually meet 008 as far as I understand, if I remember correctly. I mean, I mean in other films, not in this one. 
Yeah, so when Goldfinger decides to let Vaughn live, he then wakes up on a plane. He does wake up on a plane. With pussy galore. <laughs> yes, that's right. And his response is, I must be dreaming. I must be dreaming. Yes. So did the, I assume this entendre went over your head when you were a kid? Yeah, I didn't. So I recognized that that was an interesting name for somebody. Mm-hmm. But I didn't quite get why. Yeah, so I, yeah, I didn't quite, I didn't get the connection here between what they were getting at with this name. Um, it, it does come from the book. She is, act, she is a character in the book, although she's quite different. And amusingly, she is a, she's a leader of a lesbian cat burglar squad called the Cement Mixers. Okay, then. <laughs> she's part of the, the hood convention that we see later on. See, that's cool, and they should have kept that in... Well, they couldn't. No. Uh, they need her to be the pilot, and they never overtly say that she's a lesbian in the movie, although it could be read that way if you know that that's where the character's coming from. Um, it's still problematic, things that happen later on. But, yeah. But, I, I mean, I like things where she's like, you can turn off the charm, I'm immune. <laughs> that is good, she's, yeah. she's having none of Bond's shtick, you know, I, which I like a lot. You get the scene where he's trying to change in the back room and he's being spied on and he's just kind of toying with this person. I especially like when he sprays the shaving cream on the mirror. <laughs> yeah, right. Because up until then, you could just think he's doing things to by yeah. accident that are blocking these things. And then he's like, no, I see you. I like how every time it does it, like it cuts to her and she like pulls back like, what? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> She mentions a black attache case, which I'm wondering if it's the same case. I'm assuming, from yeah, it's the from Marshall yeah. Love. Or attache case, as they pronounce it. So we have the, you know, he changes clothes, and they end up landing in Kentucky, which, on that little plane, that would have been a long flight. Oh, yeah. Also, also it should be noted that the inside of the plane is lined with gold. It is, yeah. Because like that's else. practical. Right. <laughs> you, you you certainly wouldn't would never have a problem with using an incredibly heavy metal to line your thing that has to fly in the air. A heavy and non-durable material. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh yeah, this is where Bond while he's changing, he puts in the little homing device into his shoe, which I think is I like that gag that that gag actually that he yeah. the little sh- the little like sliding shoe heel no i I like that yeah and we had and q had mentioned that earlier yeah we get the we get a setup here uh literally a Chekhov's gun setup here with pussy galore holds a gun to bond and bond's saying you know you really shouldn't fire a gun in here uh (laughs) in this plane because it's it's going to go through the the fuselage and will be sucked out into into he says outer space but i think it'd you know, yeah, they're you know not that high. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then uh, light, we get a scene where Lighter calls M to let him know that they've picked up on Bond's homing signal at Friendship Airport, which, for those who do not know, is what BWI used to be called. Oh, interesting. They do mention going to, uh, yeah, to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would make sense. I, I like Felix's little window that's placed right in front of the White House so you know where he is, even though there's no way that anyone has an office right there. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I live in D.C., but I don't need to live in D.C. to know that that is not a place. <laughs> no, that is definitely not a place. <laughs> no, and in fact, if he's in the CIA, he's not even going to be in D.C. at all. No, he should be in Langley somewhere. Yeah. Anyway. And also, just to be pedantic here, if he's with the CIA, what is he doing running ops in the, in the United States? <laughs> yeah, there's that too. <laughs> I mean, and if he's at the FBI, he would be in D.C., but also not across the street from the White House. And what the heck was he doing in, if he's with the FBI, what the heck was he doing in Jamaica in Dr. No? <laughs> well, he's def- he is CIA. But... <laughs> so yeah, they, they leave the plane... Um, Bond sees these other planes flying around who are pilots trained by Pussy Galore. For Pussy Galore's flying circus. We see Mm -hmm. multiple signs for this. We do. Yeah, there's like eight of them on that wall of the barn for some Mm -hmm. reason. And Oddjob is waiting for him in his uh, Plymouth station wagon or whatever this thing is. And they drive off and then we get to meet all of these pilots uh, that are flying. They, They mention they're rehearsing for some mission that they're doing at some point but we don't quite know what that is yet uh amusingly most of the pilots in the long shots are men wearing blonde wigs ha! but uh yeah so there's that we we end up going to oryx stud which is the least creative name for a stud farm ever yes and it's well it's to remind everyone that oryx himself is a stud <laughs> I have a hard time seeing Goldfinger owning a horse farm. Honestly. It does does seem weird. What doesn't Goldfinger own is what I'm starting to wonder. There's, yeah, there's that too. I mean, he owns the golf club. He owns the refinery or the metallurgy installation. They say he's a jeweler, so he has, he can run these installations. Like, he has a very diversified portfolio. He does, yeah. For caring only about gold, he really does. And he has jail cells, like mid- straight-up medieval jail cells in Oryx Stud. <laughs> that, yeah. So he planned ahead. Mm-hmm. There. Oh, he really planned ahead, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. We, we get the uh, you know magnificent horse, and he says certainly well bre- more, better bred than the owner, which kind of doesn't quite land. It's not, not a great nah. line. It's no positively shocking. No, it's not. Show Mr. Bond to his quarters. He thinks he's going inside the, the actual installation and then now you're going down to the basement and yeah they go into the medieval jail cell here guarded by another member of the james bond villain army Mm-hmm. and uh felix and his friend don't aren't quite sure what to do right so they're, so they're just gonna hang out at kfc for a while they're hanging out at kfc for a while uh funny story there that i heard from uh neil bulk on twitter who's a producer of film soundtracks actually Mm-hmm. So, a lot of this stuff was shot in Florida, which yeah, explains why you sometimes see palm. Why you can sometimes see palm trees, in even at Fort Knox. Yes, even at Fort Knox. Yeah, Guy Hamilton was trying to find locations that would make people think this was in Kentucky, so he sees a <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> not knowing that this is a this is a nationwide chain. <laughs> so. That's amazing. 
So, yeah, that's why they're at Kentucky Fried Chicken, because it, it is location-specific, see? There were times when I, like, whenever you see Felix and his friend, the other guy, does the other guy ever get a name? I don't believe so. Felix and his associate. Whenever you see them driving around, like, I honestly forgot that they weren't in Florida, because I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I'm looking, I'm like, oh, well, that's Florida. <laughs> I've been there. That's what Florida looks like. <laughs> it really does look like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I've also been to Kentucky. And Kentucky doesn't like... look like that. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like I honestly forgot. Like, in my head, like, I, and I knew they were in Kentucky, but I also didn't. I was just, like, thinking, oh, they're in Florida. Okay. Probably because we were in Florida in the beginning of the movie. Like, it didn't even occur to me that they weren't in Florida. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely in Florida. They're not in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we see them hanging out at KFC, not quite knowing what to do here. Uh, then we get this another great Ken Adams set here with this. Why does it exist? Why is this here? Especially when he's gonna <laughs> kill them all anyway. I, well, there is that too. Okay. So this is way too elaborate and took way too much time and money to build for a five-minute presentation. In which you're going to kill all of the people watching it anyway. Yep. Why? <laughs> because the audience needs to know what the scheme is. See? <laughs> and we can't just tell them. We have to show them in a very cool way. Where we put this map in the wall. And then halfway through the presentation we decide, no, that's not cool enough. So I'm going to have a completely retractable floor with a giant model underneath it. That I can then raise up out of the ground. Can you just imagine how much money was spent on that? Like, what the heck? At least he never says that this is his completely disposable headquarters like Dr. No does. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, when 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 you're, you conservatively estimate your value of gold is going to increase ten times because of this plot, I guess you can do that. I guess, yeah. I appreciate that he's not monologuing to Bond this time. Yeah. But still, there's no reason to be monologuing. We should say that we're also cutting between that and Bond winking at this Korean... That guard is so dumb. <laughs> I want to know how the heck Bond climbs up onto the ceiling. That is without being seen, yes. That was yeah. impressive. That took, that took skill. But how the heck did the guard not know that Bond was trying to trick him into thinking he had somehow escaped? He's just staring at him, and then he sinks down, and then doesn't come back up. And wait, maybe he did escape. No, why? Anyway, yes. Yeah. So Bond beats the guy up, takes his gun, and conveniently stumbles upon Goldfinger's little monologue presentation here. Because for whatever reason, the very center of the model is hollow from the bottom so you can stick your head up inside fort knox and look out <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean you build this elaborate room with all these elaborate gimmicks and things and then you decide to save a bit of money by not filling in the entire model i guess i don't know i guess <laughs> i i want to go back for a second because i just re reminded of this stupid line that i that makes me laugh every time when Goldfinger's talking to these hoods, and he says, you know, I can give you a million dollars today or ten million tomorrow when my bank opens. And Mr. Solo goes, banks don't open on Sunday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that's something you'd be concerned about at this moment. 
Um, but anyway, yeah, so Bond's listening in, writes a little note, wraps it up in his little thing, which turns out to not really matter. Um, you know, not only is, is Goldfinger going to kill all these guys, but he lets Solo walk. He gives them the choice, which I don't understand either. That scene makes no sense to me. Like, the entire process of this. Okay, so, for one, <laughs> why explain the story to these guys that you're going to kill anyway? For two... Why make this guy think he's getting away? Why drive him all the way away from the ranch to kill him? Yep. Why compact the car with the gold and then bring it back and have to extract the gold from the compacted car? There's, like, nothing about this makes sense. No, it doesn't, really. I mean, it's in. it doesn't even accidentally cause anything to happen because, you know, Felix and, and his partner drive off after the car, lose the signal, and then go back to the ranch anyway. You know, it's not getting anybody off their trail. He doesn't, not that he knows that there's a homing device, but still. I also want to know what truck this is that Oddjob is driving that can carry the yeah. weight of a million, million dollars in gold and a Lincoln Continental. I mean, the suspension, it definitely took a beating to the suspension when it went in the, yeah. uh, the truck, but yeah. I mean, that car alone is like two tons. Yeah. Yeah, if you forget how heavy cars <laughs> used to be. Yeah. Back in the days when they weren't half plastic, I guess. I enjoy that sequence, but it really makes no sense at all. So, can we also talk about the fact that the idea of an invisible nerve gas that disperses within 15 minutes after inducing complete unconsciousness for 24 hours. At that point, all of those crime bosses should have been like, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah like there's no way that's a thing and it's not <laughs> it's no it isn't a thing e even the stuff that is actually fatal is not a thing no but that that's at least more believable than the one that induces unconsciousness for 24 hours for, for 24 hours yeah <laughs> and and he's like incidentally delta 9 nerve gas is fatal and like these are all like gangsters why, why would, would you use the same Why would name? you lie that it's not going to kill these people? Why would they care? And if you are going to lie, why would you use the real name of the gas? I yep. mean, I realize this is before Wikipedia, but still. <laughs> you know, in thinking about this whole thing with Mr. Solo, I'm convinced it's it only exists so that he can say he has a pressing engagement. <laughs> Which I do like that pun. I'm a fan well, of Well, it's of it's also kind of so that we can see we can think that Felix does not know anything. Right. This is really the, the beginning of Felix being not the best CIA agent out there. Yeah, because he was, he was perfectly competent in Dr. No. Yeah, he was. And part of me wonders if they keep casting these people who aren't quite as awesome as Bond just to draw that connect. You know, like, we can't have a guy who's at Bond's equal. We have to have this older guy who's not exactly as swift. Oh, yeah, and then this is where we get to have... Goldfinger monologue. Well, actually, no, because Bond really does the monologuing here in this scene with with Goldfinger, where yeah, he does. You know, he notices he notices that there are these people watching from a distance, and he's like, ah, oh, they're just you know looking for racing tips. But you know, maybe they are Bond's people, so we ought to make it look like he's doing a good job here. So he gets Bond a drink and has pussy galore. Put on some cleavage clothing and. And, but, bef I mean, before she comes back, we get this scene where Bond is, like, talking about, your, you know, your plan is stupid, it's not going to work. And this is something I actually really like about 
the way they wrote this movie where mm-hmm. Bond is like, you know, it he, he's doing the math of how much time and effort it would take to get the gold out of Fort Knox. And then Goldfinger just says, who, who said we're taking it out? And I think this is some really smart writing because in the book, the plan was to steal the gold. Oh, okay. And, and he had an atomic bomb, but the, like an atomic warhead of some kind out of a ICBM or something that he was going to use to blow the door off of the vault. Which is also problematic and dumb. That frankly. yeah, that's dumb. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, the the idea that they would think this through and say yeah, that plan is never going to work. So let's do this other thing instead. I mean, we can talk about the ramifications of irradiating the gold and whether that would make gold that's locked away in a vault not worth anything. Uh, I mean, I guess it would be blown all over the place. But yeah, well, if they can extract the gold from the crushed continental, they can extract it from the blown up Fort Knox. True. But yeah, I, I mean, I just like the way that they're they're doing something unexpected, at least. If you haven't seen the film before and you think, oh, they're going to break into Fort Knox, they're going to steal the gold away. Yeah. And you honestly, the first time you watch it, you think all of those people just died. Yeah. So Yeah, they do They do some really clever things here. Yeah. They, until until you see Felix wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, that it's a very, it's a nice nicely done bait and switch there. Yeah, I agree. So, but before we get to that, um, we do unfortunately have the scene. We have the scene where so Felix is like, "Oh, okay, Bond's just drinking and having and having fun with the ladies. He's fine." And he they go away, uh, mm-hmm. and then Bond basically rapes Pussy Galore. Like if they, it's meant to show that she resists at first and then gives in, but that's still rape. Yeah, we we've, we've talked about issues with other moments in other films this is probably the one that i have the most problems with yeah like there's a lot of problematic stuff in these early movies but this one is actually you know what i take that back i think next week we're going to talk about one that's even worse oh okay it's been a while i don't remember thunderball very well you'll remember you'll know it when you get to it fair enough this is the worst one we've seen so far because at least it is by far um there's there's definitely some sexist attitudes etc but we had not seen Bond basically, you know, completely ignore consent until now. Right. Everyone, I mean, people hold hold Pussy Galore up as one of the best Bond girls in the franchise, and I think... I think she is a good character. I think she's a good character. The way she services the... And I, I that's a bad word to use here. That but is... The way she services yeah. the plot, <laughs> I think, is bad. I agree. I, I like the character. I don't like the way she fits into the story much at all. Um, because you have this, and then the ramifications of him raping her, I have real issues with too. But we're not quite there yet. Um, and I think we can skip over the rolling around in the hay bit. So yeah, we have that problematic bit, and then we cut to, I guess, the next day when they're doing the raid. Yeah, so now we do get the... we get the we have the planes we have people collapsing uh we have what appear to be have been car crashes which yeah when you know that this is all staged that was impressive that yeah yeah i agree like the like the civilian one where the where the car's on its side and the other one hit it like how did yeah. they <laughs> how did they do that also dang these people were very good actors when you assume like in story that these are just random people that they are convincing to collapse as if they all died. Yep. Like, And wow. they all do it. They all do it. There isn't, like, the one, like, group of people being like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, try getting 500 to 1,000 people to do, all do the same thing. Like, I can see on the military base they're ordered to do it. But they also have the civilians outside of the... Yeah, it's like... Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, so we get this montage of people collapsing. This is a very quick acting nerve gas, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not real. We find out later. But I'm going to go back in time a little bit here. Uh, way back in the day, I had a girlfriend that we were watching this movie with. She hadn't seen it before. And we get to the part this part here where they're trucking Bond in to the vault. And she looks at me and she says, Bond is really bad at his job. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, for 90% of this movie, he's captured by the bad guy and just gets schlepped around for no reason. She's not wrong. And, no. And it's like, why? There's no reason why he should be able to save the day in this one. No, because he shouldn't even be here. Yeah, you're no. You're right. He should have been dead. He should have been dead in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And even if he wasn't, he should still be in that cell in the horse ranch. Yeah. Or I could even take it a step further, knowing what we know about Goldfinger. Why didn't Oddjob kill him in the hotel room in back in Miami? Yeah. It's a very good question. That does sort of make the entire plot of the movie fall apart. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, yes. It, it to to borrow a line from. Uh, from the great Muppet Caper, it would have been a real short movie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're they're they give Bond a gas mask and they they blow up the gate to Fort Knox and they pay off the laser that we saw earlier by cutting open the door, and they eventually go into the vault with this giant I don't know box thing that is I guess the bomb, and they decide to handcuff Bond to it for reasons. Again, they could have just shot him at this point. Like, what what's the value of letting him blow up with the bomb dramatic effect i don't know <laughs> dramatic effect yeah and then we see at some point that felix and all the other guys wake up and they it's been a fake this whole time and they move in and there's a rather well staged i would say gunfight there's a lot of people dying on. there's a lot of people dying in this movie yeah on both sides so actually can we uh step back for a second yeah. Uh, one, they use a lot of explosives to open that gate. Like, a lot of explosives to open that gate. Uh, and they don't take nearly enough precautions. Like, they hide behind the jeep, but, like, I feel like in, there was a good chance that entire jeep could have been blown up, too. Uh, Probably, yeah. Secondly, they use the laser to get into the vault. Into the right. building itself. Mm -hmm. The laser is hidden in an ambulance. They back up the ambulance, so the rear of the ambulance is facing the building. And then they turn a dial, and the roof of the ambulance pops open, and the laser <laughs> comes up out of the roof. Yep. There's these two giant doors in the back of the ambulance. Why does the laser go above the ambulance? Why not just open the door and let it shoot out the back of the freaking ambulance? <laughs> Maybe the angle wouldn't get high enough on the door? I, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems completely unnecessary. Goldfinger got a discount on hydraulic lifts. That he you know, honestly, that explains so much of the movie, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't have an answer for you on that one. And to be honest, it's not something I'd ever thought about before. But now it's only the only thing I'm going to think about when I see this movie in the future. You're welcome. Yeah. 
so yeah we get we get a helicopter that brings in mm-hmm. the bomb because there's always a helicopter in bond except for a few films i really like this this vault set i think it's completely unrealistic and yes. not in any way what fort knox would look like but i think it's a fantastic set to stage a lot of the final action of this film i'm sure there's pro there are probably are pictures of what the inside of fort knox actually looks actually like there it. aren't they're not they, they're not oh because it's any. a secure installation yeah okay. yeah i kind of feel bad for odd job a little bit that he gets locked in and they don't care i mean odd job doesn't from... care either no no go- no he doesn't care but like goldfinger i guess goldfinger think like, goldfinger should with... care yeah and the other Wolfinger guy only who, cares about himself, though. I think we've he's made that pretty clear from the He's beginning. made that very clear, yeah. Uh, the other guy who's there with them wants to defuse the bomb, and... Oddjob's like, nope. Oddjob throws him over the railing. Which like, is nope, convenient for Bond, because that guy has the keys to his handcuffs. He has the keys to his handcuffs. Uh, we get a great fight sequence here with Oddjob doing, showing off how strong he is by taking a gold brick to the chest, which I don't care how strong you are, you're not surviving that at least without moving well that's like um in dr no when coral gets a broken bottle to the face and doesn't react yeah and he's like okay whatever so because because when you're strong you don't feel pain period i guess is the rule here oh yeah goldfinger came prepared because he's wearing a military uniform even though he didn't think anyone would be alive at this point just in case yeah just in case uh, he has that gold revolver that we talked about before that probably wouldn't work very well. Like I was saying, we get we have that rather long... It, well, it's cut back and forth, but you have this fight scene with Bond and, and Oddjob where, you know, early on, Oddjob's using his hat at him, cuts the cable, and then they start fighting all over the vault. And, you know, almost to the point where you forget that that hat is even there. Yep. Uh, I, I like the fact that you know, then, then, then the expectation is, oh, he's going to get him with the hat because wouldn't that be appropriate? Yeah, but he takes way too long to set it up. You know, Oddjob's going to dodge that. Yeah, like because Oddjob sees him getting ready with the hat. It's like, no, there's no way that was ever going to hit him. No, and Bond knows that too. Bond was planning this. I I don't know if Bond had that planned or not. Honestly, it, I don't know. Kind of because it's like it because because Connery does this thing where it's like he finally he just suddenly notices this electrical cable. That's out there. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I, I don't know. E- either way, it works out. Yeah. Either way, it works out really well. Great moment here. That is another famous sequence of Oddjob getting electrocuted because he's trying to get the hat out from the bars. Then Bond tries to go and defuse the bomb using you know gold bricks to try to break it open. And and this is a moment where I think they they do a good job of demonstrating just how heavy this stuff is. Yes. Which, it, it is actually, I mean, I don't, I've never picked up a gold brick like that, but it is very heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know off the top of my head how much a gold, a piece of, like a gold bullion brick would weigh, but it's quite a lot. Um, a lot, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't either, but. And then, you know, the, we have the, the world's longest countdown clock uh, that should have expired about five times by my count uh, <laughs> before it actually gets turned off. It it seems to go along with that joke too, where there's like that little off switch that the guy just reaches in and turns off the the bomb when you think it's this big elaborate thing. So a gold brick is four hundred troy ounces. 
a troy okay. ounce is 1.09714 of a standard ounce. So we'll just assume a regular ounce because it's based. It's a little more than a. So 400 ounces. There's 16 ounces in a pound. That's heavy. Mm-hmm. So if I remember correctly, there's 12 troy ounces in a pound. Okay. So but yeah. yeah. If there's 12 troy ounces in a pound, then, yeah, that's really heavy, because that's... Yeah. Well, it's 33 and a third pounds, which is, yes, for a thing that small, that's really heavy. That's really heavy, yeah. Yeah, so we we diffuse the bomb at last with 007 on the clock, which I guess is a joke. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, they changed it at the last moment, because he actually says three more ticks, because it was supposed to say three seconds on it, and then... I wondered about that. In an insert, yeah. I like how we have Bond about to just rip some wires, and the expert comes in and is like, no, don't do that. (laughs) No, don't do that. Just flip the switch right here. (laughs) That was good. Yeah. Um, And then we have the last little sequence of the film where they celebrate, you know, stopping the plot. James Bond gets on a plane with Wicker for three, and there are no other two. Which I thought was a fun line from Felix. That was a fun line. He's about to go... He, he thinks he's about to go meet LBJ. Yeah. Yeah, 1964. That was LBJ. Yes. Yep. Had to yep. think for a second. Yeah. And turns out Goldfinger's on the plane. With his golden gun. With his golden gun, yes. Which I don't think is practical at all. No, I don't think a golden gun would work very well in either film. But... No. In this one. No. I like Bond's... Bond being Bond when he's like, oh, are you having lunch at the White House too? And then we get the payoff from earlier with the revolver shooting out a window when they, they have a bit of a scuffle. And because Goldfinger stupidly points his gun at, in a, off of Bond at one point. Yep. And Goldfinger gets uh, sucked out. Sucked out the window. Which, yes, that can actually happen if you shoot a hole in a plane. Yes, it can. And, you know, it's a little bit dodgy effects for the time. I mean, I, I think it's acceptable for the time when it was made, but it works. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that, you know, Pussy Galore is flying the plane. We should mention that, again, problematically, it's it's explained that because she had sex with Bond, she is now turned over to the good guys and calls in the plot and exposes everything. And that's how they were able to switch out the gas and everything. I... F- think yeah like i feel like this that would have worked so much better if we had had a scene where bond explains to her that the gas will kill people instead of instead of knocking them out yeah but we never have that scene and i think if we had that scene it would it would work no i agree and instead we get terrible lines like i guess i appealed to her maternal instinct or something like that yeah and and we just assume that bond's magic penis makes everybody good correct which you know again next week there is a good way that that is turned on its head, in, 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 so to speak. No pun intended. So yeah, we we see the planes crashing. Uh, again, magic GPS, the little blip that is their parachute mm-hmm. or whatever, shows up. And as in typical Bond fashion, we leave our hero making out with the girl. Usually hiding from the people trying to find them. Yeah, because he's gotta, you know... It's not, like he, it's not like they could, you know, go home and go to like a hotel room or anything right (laughs) we gotta you know do it right here in the parachute exactly 
And that's Goldfinger. Yep. And we get James. This is we have. This is the en- the end of Goldfinger. But James Bond will be back in Thunderball. And like in my head, all of these all said James Bond will return in whatever. But apparently not. No. No, they mixed it up a little bit. And I don't know if this is the only one that says the end of, or if it's if they do that in other ones. Yeah, I'm not gonna make any definitive statements about any no. of that anymore. <laughs> So amusingly, originally this said the end of Goldfinger, but James Bond will be back in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And they then decided to not make that movie next. And it's the first of several times where they were wrong in which film was going to come up next. Yeah, For Your Eyes only gets it a couple times, I think. Yes. So so the original, like the theatrical version, actually did say Honor Majesty's Secret Service? I believe that is the case. Did they modify this at the end of every, um, of all, of all of them so that they say the right film now? No. Um, so, <laughs> The Spy Who Loved Me still says James Bond will be back in For Your Eyes Only, I believe. Nice. Be- and they changed that when Star Wars happened and they wanted to do something space-related, so that's mm-hmm. why they ended up doing Moonraker instead. Yeah, I knew that. I wasn't sure if they had if they've edited the blu-ray to say moonraker i don't think so but i'll make a i'll make sure to look for it when we get to uh the the spy who loved me so yeah that's that's goldfinger yeah and it's still you know problematic issues aside you know casual sexism and whatnot from the 60s unfortunately that will continue uh this is still a very enjoyable film for me i i think they start getting a little ridiculous with it, but it, it's still a very entertaining way that they do it. And I think that there's so many iconic bits in this film that it's certainly in t- in the top 10. I don't know if I put it in the top five, frankly, but I certainly put it in the top 10 easily. Yeah. I, it is one of my top five, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, there are a few problematic moments, uh, but I think overall the story is solid. The, the villain is you know, just a pretty great quintessential Bond villain who's, you know, super super smart and thinks his plan is perfect and no one can foil it, not even the great James Bond. And, well, uh, and Bond is good. Uh, it's, th- when I think of a Bond film, this is what I think of. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's, surprisingly, it's, the shortest Bond film of all of them until they did Quantum of Solace. And it doesn't feel Hmm. rushed. No, it doesn't. Um, I will say, and when we were talking about From Russia with Love last week, you know, I I mentioned that there are some bits that maybe could have been tightened up a little bit. And there's certainly a lot of bloat in some of the other films. I don't, I can't think of a single thing that I would cut out of this film. Even the ridiculous, you know, car crushing stuff is, is fun. And I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. No, I think it, I think it works in general. Yeah. I don't know, I felt like the golf game maybe went on a little too long. Okay. Well, in the book, it's all 18 holes, so try to imagine that. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, no, I don't think it... I think it's a pretty tightly shot movie in general. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at listeningtofilm. And you can find me on Twitter, at Tyrannicus. Well, this is the end of Goldfinger, but License to Spiel will be back next week for 
Thunderball. Mm-hmm. 